me. Holy One, you know us so well. You know these words before I wrote them down, and I ask that you would fill them with your holy word. With the presence of you, O Christ, the lover of our soul, the guide for our path, our rock, and our Redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen. What I remember most about that night was the wind. I was on a small island off the west coast of Scotland, Iona, and the wind was electric. Everything felt alive. It was like someone was pushing on my back and wrapping their arms around my front, and I was being led into something unknown. Everything around me felt alive. The wind going through the grass as it hissed and seemed to be whispering words that couldn't be understood. The pink granite around was making sounds almost. It was as if it was breathing, getting ready to shout. The moon was crisp and there was a velvety blueness over everything, the turquoise water, the white caps on the ocean, the mountains in the distance. And every now and then the sound of a sheep having a midnight snack. Everything felt alive. And I felt a part of everything. And I stopped myself at one point and said, it's just the wind. It's just the moon. It's just the ocean. It's just that this is a beautiful place. And then out of nowhere, uh, memory came back of when my pastor who had come when I was in high school to our little church in Oregon talked about thin places, places where the veil between God and us is gossamer thin and we find ourselves pressed up against creation, almost hearing and seeing a new world. This was a thin place. And something was calling to me deep inside. And so I stopped walking on this road and I looked around and I wondered, what is this invitation? What is going on here? And I looked over at the abbey rebuilt during the depression by unemployed day laborers and freshly graduated seminarians who knew a lot about theology and very little about real life or their neighbors' lives. And George McLeod had gathered them all together, unemployed day laborers and unworldly seminarians, I guess we'd call them, and he brought them together and said, we're going to rebuild this abbey as a place to live together and work together. And so they worshipped every day, and over time, once they got to know how unimpressive the pastors were at cutting stones, the day laborers said, why do you use the words that you use in your prayers? It's not how we talk. Is there space for us in this church thing? 
And over time, the music and the worship, the way that people dressed, it changed, and Iona became a place dedicated to breaking down walls of separation while rising up new communities of doing new things. And I found myself there and said, I think there is something for me to be a part of. I'll be back. It was all of 20 years old. I was studying abroad in Scotland for a semester, but there was something there that spoke to something deep within me. Part of our life, part of our experience of growing up, and seniors, I'm sure you know this better than any of us this day, as you prepare to graduate, is that sometimes the world knots us up a bit. Those parts of us that are knit together that God calls good, in fact, very good, those beautiful and fearfully and wonderfully made parts of us, sometimes this world tells us to hide that light. Sometimes it knots up that truth that we are God's beloved. It can take all different forms. It can be who you are, your abilities or disabilities. It could be the color of your skin. It could be the makeup of your family. Sometimes we are told that there are certain people who are in and certain people that are out of God's love. And the psalmist is having none of that this morning, is he? Her words are full of poetry and grace. And then, out of nowhere, fury. Fury that the image of God in them has been cast aside, that violence is rising up against those who love and just seek wholeness and to live into God, who God has made them to be. We don't have to look far in our world to see that, do we? Ideologies of hatred and white supremacy rear their ugly heads all the time. Our churches, our grocery stores being attacked. But what I love is that the psalmist says, Lord, you know me. Search me. Help this anger to be in your will and to put me on your path to wholeness for myself and this world. As we grow up, and for our seniors who are taking on this next big adventure, you have been wonderfully and fearfully made. You have been created, and you are valued and loved in ways beyond understanding. God's wonder and love for you is more than the sands of the sea. But I don't know about you, but when I was 20... When I was 18, I didn't know that well. I didn't feel that in my bones. In fact, there were a lot of parts of myself that people told me were not okay. And there were expectations on me from well-meaning family and from a larger society, from the forces of capital and of making it and of striving that knotted me up and made it hard to be that good self. And so I spent time as a young man, as a uh, college student, 
finding people who could help me unknot those parts of myself, like Ken, who showed me a different way of being a father, very different from the father who I was born to. He showed me how to be gentle and vulnerable and how to get angry when oppression happens, not when someone just annoyed him, like my dad. And so when I was at Iona, I realized there was something there for me. It wasn't that I was some sort of savior to show up and make everything better. I was there to get free myself by being a part of what they were up to. And so I applied to work at their outdoor center. I took six months of my life and I moved into an old um, rock building that had been built by Robert Louis Stevenson's family to quarry stone. And then it became a salmon fishing station, and then George McLeod showed up with a bunch of incarcerated young people and turned it into a place where community could be lived into, and everyone had a part to play, and everyone saw their place in that community. And as I saw these young people who discovered how much they could bless and care for others, as I saw them unknot that part of them that society had told them they were only the worst thing they had ever done. As I saw them discovering that freedom, those knots in me fell apart as well. It was healing and powerful. It freed me to set boundaries with my dad. It gave me the courage to be who I am publicly. It gave me a sense in seminary of what was important and what to push aside. And it gave me a thirst to draw close to those whose lives were different from me, who were struggling for liberation and wholeness, knowing that the same God who had freed me was involved in their freedom as well. The Aboriginal activist Lila Watson has a quote that I think of almost every week. If you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. To our seniors, I don't know what your experience will be as you go from this place, but I know there will be people and situations where you feel tied up in a knot. And there may be times where you face oppression and your anger is like that of the psalmist, and that's okay, and not to be feared. But in those moments, if I could offer you one gift as you go, is to find the people who are finding their freedom and are nodding those parts of themselves so that they can be the beautiful people God has made, full of life and love and wholeness. And maybe they have work for you to do alongside of them, or maybe you just need someone to be there and untie some knots. But know this, in each part of you, and wherever you go, God's grace and wholeness goes ahead, singing a song that in those thin moments we can almost hear in the wind, in the sea, in the sand. In the name of the one who was and is and evermore shall be, Amen.